0: Good morning, church. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to everyone who's joining us online today. We're glad that you're with us. We're glad that you connect whether it's during this the live stream time or later on the recorded version. We're glad we can be together as God's people in worship on this beautiful day. Remember, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'm Rockford Johnson and it's always my joy to say that it is a joy to serve as pastor here and to serve with you in advancing and deepening this mission of changing lives that change the world. Here in the house, the uh, ushers, um, I think, are passing connection pads, yes? And uh, we invite you to leave your name with us and help people get to know you by doing that as well. And then also, if you're online, uh, please connect with us through our website, um, and and let us know how we can be in connection with you. If this is your first time with us today, we have uh, welcome cards in the pews in front of you, and we invite you to complete one and leave it with me or one of us at the end of this service. And then uh, we have a gift bag for you. And online, we also, of course, invite you to, uh, to let us know that as well. And so um, we also are always... Uh, Uh, hoping that you'll help us pray with you and for you by submitting your prayer concerns and celebrations. You can do that on the front page of the website, mcfarlandumc.org. You can also do that here in the house with those cards, those care uh, cards that are in the pew rack in front of you. This is uh, September 11, -11, 9-11, and we remember um, our history today and remember all those who lost and the grief and and all that happened uh, so many years ago on 9-11. This afternoon, um, the Philharmonic will be here in the house uh, for a Remembrance concert led by Dr. Zelensky and with Stephen Wurst at the organ um, as a part of that. We're so glad they choose to come to McFarland and uh, use our space for that. It's a great opportunity to uh, come and be a part of that. If you're online, never been here, you might want to connect or um, you might want to bring your neighbors, friends, or family to introduce them to the McFarland home at the same time that they uh, are introduced to great music. I want you to know that I'm always uh, confident in our our future together. You know, it won't be long till we begin to see um, infrastructure things happening and a new building going up after the first of the year sometime. Uh, and with that confidence, I want you to know that our general conference guidance team that has responsibilities for communication about denominational matters uh, is meeting actually <clears throat> a week from today, and we're rolling out forums and times for question and answer, um, and so you'll hear more about those on September 26, October 2, and October 9. It's actually the same thing. You choose one of three, or you can come to all of them, Um, so that we can help with information and Q&A and conversation around denominational matters. But rest assured that God is with us and McFarland is strong. We have a great bright future ahead of us, and uh, we'll let you know how you can engage in those opportunities. And uh, more importantly, there's a peach cobbler fellowship on September 25. And so, if you have a great peach cobbler recipe, we need you to show up with two or three or four of those because I like peach cobbler, and you do too, I assume. Uh, Lunch on the Lawn, Cobbler and Carnival, September 12, uh, September 25 at 12 p.m. on the North Lawn. This guy, Scott Meyer, Director of Missions, is in charge of making sure we get plenty of peach cobbler on that day. We'll have carnival games. It'll be a great family event. Bring your family, bring your neighborhood families, your your enemies, anyone you want to bring, could come and be a part of that wonderful event. We're continuing our series, Love Is. Today, love is complex. We're doing a, a series of sermons out of the First Corinthians 13. And uh, if you missed on Labor Day uh, Sunday, Pastor Wendy's wonderful sermon on love is non-anxious, please go to our website and get that. It's an important part of this series. And you can also hear about it on our podcast about that sermon. And so if you do podcasts, you might want to listen to our weekly podcast. Today, let's stand to sing and begin our worship with Amazing Grace, number 378.
1: In our affirmation of faith from your bulletin. Let us join together in professing the story of God's love as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried.
2: invite you to open your hymnals to number 39 and I am so excited to invite Aaron and Derek Caldwell up front uh, with their daughter Eva Maeve along with godparents uh, special friends. Uh, this is an especially exciting day because Eva is a child who has been prayed for and <laughs> awaited for Many years, more than 10 years. And so we give thanks to God that she is being presented for baptism today. So brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. And so, Aaron and Derek, on behalf of the whole congregation, I ask you, do you renounce the forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, And promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. Will you nurture Eva in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? And for those who are godparents, will you support Eva and encourage her in her Christian life? Amen. And do you, as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? We do. Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include Eva now before you in your care? With God's help, we will proclaim the good news And live according to the example of Christ. We will surround Eva with a community of love and forgiveness. That she may grow in her service to others. We will pray for her. That she may be a true disciple who walks in the way that leads to Christ. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of God's mercy each day. In the fullness of time you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your Spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection, and to make disciples of all nations. Declare his works to the nations, his glory among all the people. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water, and Eva who receives it. To wash away her sin and clothe her in righteousness throughout her life, that dying and being raised with Christ, she may share in his final victory. All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. All right. You ready? Oh, yeah. Big smile. Eva Maeve, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I'll invite you all to come and to lay (laughs) hands on her. Yeah, there's the water. Eva, being born... Through water and the Spirit, may the Holy Spirit work within you that you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. And may you always hear God say to you that you are God's beloved child with whom he is so well pleased. Amen. We're going to get that little stone before it goes in your mouth. Here we go. All right. And we are going to welcome Eva by singing the song that is printed in the bulletin. Let us sing to her. Eva and for the love that you have had for her for a long time, even before she knows it. And God, we just give you thanks for the family that she has, for this church family. And God, we ask that you would help us to raise her up, that she would always know your love and your grace and your faithfulness. And we just rejoice that she is here today with us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: I invite you to be in prayer with me as we continue to celebrate in our hearts. Let us pray. Our eternal and loving God, we are grateful for every good gift which comes to us for everything that you provide in this world for us, for all the people in our lives where we find love and are able to give love. Thank you for the great love we have experienced in Jesus Christ, the way it's made alive in our lives by your living, present Spirit. Oh God, we pray that you would Help us to be the kind of people who are always looking to you, always wanting to go deeper, to extend ourselves further into ministry and life. And today we pray for those who are hurting or suffering or grieving, persons among us, persons among the people we know, people in the world. On this September 11, we remember that sometimes the world is a very difficult, horrendous experience. And we know that today there is plenty of sorrow and suffering and grievance and turmoil and violence. And we yearn for your grace and your mercy and we yearn for your wisdom and your strength to make a difference in the world, to make a difference in our lives. Help us to be the people who carry your strength and your wisdom, who carry your love and your mercy into all the lives of the persons around us. We invite you to do work in our lives To continue to shape us and mold us and remake us in the image of Jesus. And today we pray with thanksgiving that we can be engaged together as your church in mission. We pray, O God, that you would help us to reach out to families, families across this city, and share the good news that we experience in this place. And so we offer yourselves. We invite you to see us in ourselves as we pray together the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We want to invite the children to come down for a children's moment. And while they're coming, we have a video that children have made for us in this Love Is series. We will listen to that. Children, come. We invite you to come. Dr. Uh, Reverend Dr. Leslie Long is coming to share with you this morning.
3: The Bible to me set, like tells Jesus's story about like how he impacted the world and how he showed his love to other people. He's just amazing at doing stuff. He treats people like he wants to be treated.
0: It says, like, Jesus loved
3: all
1: of the people on earth and loves them all today. It says
3: that love is everlasting, and it says that, like, not only, like, the super holy people can love God, but everybody can. God had started with love, and then He passed it on to know so it's spread all over the world. Well, He was being kind, and He showed respect
2: for everyone. And His 12 disciples
3: really liked that, and they learned so much about love um, that He loved us because he died on the cross for us, for our sins, and so we really um, appreciate that, that he did that for us. Good morning, I'm glad to see everybody here, and I'm also going to talk to some folks that may be at home, too, watching us. Uh, today And also, there's some, these folks out here, um, even though they're not children, they might be children at heart. So we're going to talk to them as well. So I want you guys to do this. I want you to get as tight as you can. Can you do that? Like get really, like this put your hands together and sh- kind of tighten up. All right. Now I want you to let go and breathe. Breathe in and breathe out. Ah, That feels a little bit better, doesn't it? Sometimes when I get really tight like that, it means I'm probably not caring for somebody. I want to tell you a story. How many of you have brothers or sisters? Okay, you've got brothers and sisters. I have two sisters, and when I was growing up, they're both younger than me, And I don't know about you, but sometimes I got really mad at my sisters because they would go take my toys, and they would play with them without asking me. And sometimes they even broke my toys. Have you ever had anything like that happen? Mm, Yeah, sometimes. And then when my sisters got older, I would be at home, and all of a sudden I would see one of them, and they would have some of my clothes on. And they had not asked me at all. And I would go tell my mom. And my mom said, well, you've got a lot of clothes you can share. You know you love your sisters. But I didn't feel like I loved them very much right then at all. They were making me so angry. I felt like this inside. I just felt so mad. You know, loving people is hard sometimes, isn't it? Even people that we know we should love. It can be really difficult. It can be really hard. But here's the thing. Jesus told us that we're supposed to love our neighbors. But you know what else Jesus told us to do? That we're supposed to love our enemies. Wow. I mean, that's, that's hard. Sometimes it was hard to love my sisters, and I really like them most of the time. But love your neighbor and love your enemies that's why love can be so hard you know one thing I've learned is sometimes when it's really hard for me to love and I feel like this inside if I will take that breath and I'll just relax for a second and think about all the good things about those people even my sister's it helps me love them in that moment, even when I'm pretty angry. You know, you're going to have times in your life when it's hard to love people, but Jesus has asked us to try really hard to love everybody. So that's going to be your challenge, even those moments when you don't want to, is to look for the good in people and figure out how to care for them and love them. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much that you love us and that we're supposed to send that love out into the world, even though it's hard sometimes. God, help us. Help us to show your love to others. It's in thy holy name that we pray. Amen. Thank you all for coming up. Please
1: stand and join us in singing hymn 528, Near My God to Thee, 528. Sundays when we have uh, infant baptisms. It reminds us of the strength of the future of the church. And I have a feeling you understand that because as I was sitting up here this morning, you all smiled and were filled with joy. You know, the future of the church, the future of McFarland is good because we as a church are investing in the next generation. It takes our time, it takes our efforts, and it takes our gifts. And as we enter into this time of offering, be reminded that what you do today pays dividends for years to come you may be seated
2: be seated. Our scripture today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 8a. Hear these words. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: Let us pray. Press your spirit, O God, deep into our thoughts, our desires, our will, and help us to be open to hear what the Spirit will say, will whisper as we come around these words and explore together what it means. Thank you. In the name and the way of Jesus. Amen. If you're a classic movie fan, you might know the movie that came out in 1955, set in Hong Kong in 1949 50, about a complicated, cross cultural, romantic story. Love is a many-splendored thing. Maybe you know the song. Maybe you know someone who watched the soap opera. You know, like the stories of real relationships that are mirrored in novels and movies, the experience of love in relationships is a many-layered thing. Love is complex, complicated, and complicating. The Apostle Paul famously celebrates what love is and what love does in 1 Corinthians 13, saying in our verse for today, verse 6, simply but profoundly, love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in in the truth. Well, you say that sounds simple enough, not so complex. Wrongdoing versus truth. I agree. That's a concise summary. There there is wrongdoing and there is truth and love is that which refuses to celebrate one and engages in celebrating the other. I believe that and I agree with that. When we step off the page, however, and onto the pavements and into the patios and the public and private places of our living, we find that not everyone then or now rejoices in the same definitions of wrongdoing and truth. There's the rub. There's the friction. There's the complication. What causes one person to rejoice may cause another person to weep. It happens at the stadiums on game day. It happens in marriages over financial decisions. It happens at the ballot box. In the mix and muddle of daily life, one person's wrongdoing can be another person's truth. To be precise, Paul's original words, if you'll indulge, you know, a little foreign language, are adikia, unjust or unrighteous, or not faithful, translated wrongdoing. And the eletia, truth, meaning true to the righteousness or faithfulness of God that's defined in the faithfulness of Jesus, in Jesus demonstrating, delivering the true love of God to redeem the world. So what does Paul have in mind when he writes the word truth? Well, truth, and in another word, faithfulness. Certainly Paul, being a highly intelligent person and a rabbi immersed in the holy writings of the Hebrew scriptures the Old Testament, Paul would have had in mind the Hebrew words behind the Greek words. Paul would have known that both the Hebrew word for faithfulness and the Hebrew word for truth come from the same root word, which means trustworthy or firm or faithful. Paul would have known the Greek translation of that Hebrew word, and then he uses it here. And when Paul says that love rejoices in the truth, not in wrongdoing, he would know the Hebrew emphasis or flavor of the words. His use of truth in this instance would point to behavior that is truly faithful as much as or more than cognitive beliefs, correct cognitive thoughts he would have the faithfulness of Jesus in his life and his death, plus the faithfulness of God in raising Jesus from the dead, he would have that in mind as the revelation of God's own true faithfulness to love and to redeem the world. So to put it simply, love celebrates and rejoices in our imitation and reflection of God's faithfulness in Jesus Christ. And we like to put it simply, we have a need to understand, to boil it down. We want to understand both the enormous complexity of a God who is God of trillions of galaxies and gazillions of stars and billions of people, who loves the world and loves each of us for eternity. And we want to state that simply. The Apostles' Creed that we affirmed earlier as we began worshiping simplifies what we believe. It's centuries old, of course, and it names God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It names the virgin conception and the birth of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the resurrection, it gives voice to our faith. However, we could say that it might be oversimplified. What I mean is it could be stronger if it were more complex, more layered. It jumps us from birth to death, from the manger to the cross. It omits much of what we believe, the loving actions of Jesus, his demonstration of faithfulness in so many ways, and his teaching of the truth. It jumps over 70 to 90% of all that is in the Gospels. Now, the creed is a helpful but selective summary and, like I said, could be even stronger if it had more layers were more complex. Think of plywood, wood veneer, several layers layered over each other, laminated together, making that board stronger, able to span more distance and hold more weight than a simple one by 12 or some other board. Love is strong, In part because it's layered, because it has so many facets to it. It's complex. Love is not only complex, but it's complicated. Making love work in all of the enterprises and relationships and systems is not always easy, it is often complicated. It's easily intended, but not so easily extended. About a week ago, we purchased a large framed mirror to go on a wall in our house. And late on a Saturday, I believe it was, before dinner, after a day of some housework and yard work, we decided to hang the mirror. Now, the mirror came with two hooks on the back, one on each side. I rolled my eyes the minute I saw that. But my intention was to just run some picture wire from one hook to the other, put one hook on the wall and hang it on that so that you could just easily adjust it. And then my wife, who is not known for reading instructions, said to the one who's known for reading instructions, it's already complicated the little yellow sticker says do not use wire and of course I know better than that yellow sticker so I said you know <clears throat> do you understand that we'll have to measure exactly precisely because it's off. if it's off a little bit then the mirror will be crooked and then we will have to put more holes in the wall Well, then, it kind of got personally complicated. (laughs) Who is right and who knows better about what each of us prefer and why? And in the recesses of our brains and our body chemistry, complication led to frustration and frustration to debate. And we love each other And we still love each other. (laughs) But sometimes it's complicated. Paul, while telling the Christians at Corinth to rejoice in the truth rather than rejoicing in the injustice and unfaithfulness of others and telling them not to keep a record of wrongs in the same letter actually addressed a whole series of wrongdoings, lawsuits against each other in the church, toleration of extreme sexual morality, arrogance about thinking that they know more than the other person knows, questions about marriage, abstinence in marriage, celibacy, whether to marry or not, and the primary presenting issue of conflict, division, and strife. That church apparently had a lot of people in it, accustomed to a very different culture of practices, and it was complicated to figure out what was true and what was wrong. Nevertheless, we can hear Paul rejoicing in the new true faithfulness among them. So, some of the church members had been, or still were, and maybe both, slaves. The Roman Empire was awash in slavery, millions of slaves. And they were everywhere slave owners and slaves, and they would be in Corinth, and now it seems they're in this church. It was rather commonplace and accepted practice in that Roman culture that male slaves could forcibly take advantage sexually of both female and male slaves. And in Corinth, it seems we have both slaves, as I said, and slave owners of, or maybe former slaves and owners who were in the same church. It was no doubt complicated. And Paul hated that slave-based, pagan, licentious sexuality and was rejoicing in the truth that while some of them had been involved in that, they had been baptized and made holy and put right with God. He rejoices with them in the truth that God has gathered this diverse collection of people into a functioning body of worshipers centered in the crucified and risen Jesus. He rejoices with them in the truth of God's love that is the greatest bonding power known to the universe. He rejoices that the love of God can free them from such exploitative and injurious wrongdoing into true faithfulness. So love is complex and love is complicated and love is complicating. The love of God for the world incarnated in Jesus and enjoined upon us has a tendency to complicate our opinions, observations, and practices being called together in marriages, bonded together in families, contracted together in families through marriage, baptized together into the church, pooled together in our work environments, all of these have complicating effects upon our egos and our expectations. Much of what we find in the teachings and the conduct of Jesus complicates things. Why? Because to be true to the truth of what it requires of us, what it requires of us to learn to love in ways that we have not loved before, with people we've not known before, or even with enemies, it gets complicated. Jesus makes it explicitly clear that though vital and indispensable, correct knowledge claims are not the greatest requirement of God. You can see 1 Corinthians chapter 8 for that, and of course the great commandments. The greatest commandments are not that we would believe certain things but, according to Jesus, that we must love God and love others, our neighbor. He even tells that meddling Good Samaritan story in which the foreigner, rather than the religious lawkeepers, the foreigner stops to help the guy who's been robbed and left for dead in the ditch. The foreigner exhibits sacrifice and courage but the religious lawkeepers don't. And Jesus tells that parable to a theological question, and the question is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And to that question he tells that story. The story complicates the thinking of the inquirer. It reveals in this instance that eternal life depends not on merely knowing and believing that you should love your neighbor and saying, I know that, but in faithful practice of the great commandment to love God and anyone close who is in need. And if that's not complicating enough, Jesus teaches that we cannot serve God and money and stuff. In a culture, our culture, that is much ado about money and stuff, that's a bit complicating too. And Jesus complicates mere human life by teaching that followers of Christ must deny themselves and take up their cross and engage, making themselves vulnerable to and affected by the suffering of others. And then there's more. Love your enemy. That's more difficult than hanging a mirror on the wall. Love your enemy. Jesus commands, and then go to all the ethnic and nation groups and languages and cultures and caucuses with a compelling invitation to become followers of Jesus. You know, when God's love drags the apostle Paul out of his religious restrictions to get his hands dirty, spreading the holiness of a Jesus-defined love in a Roman society that's awash with pagan temples and idolatry and an overly sexualized slave culture, that was complicating to a man who already had his future mapped out. We need to let the love of God complicate our lives. We need to allow God and others to disturb our complacency. We need the complicating imperatives and instructions of Jesus in our lives. So for me, when I say the beloved and historic Apostles' Creed, I feel that gap between birth and death. I sense the Spirit pushing me to go back beyond, behind that creed to Scripture and to rejoice in the truth of the teachings of Jesus and the actions of Jesus. I feel convicted to say, also say, I believe in the great invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest and deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, the great invitation. And I believe in the great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all of yourself and love your neighbor as yourself and love your enemy despite yourself. And I believe in the great commission. Go therefore into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything that I have taught you, everything that I have commanded you, and I believe in the great assurance, Jesus saying, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. To put it simply, I believe we should come to Jesus, love like Jesus, bring the world to Jesus, be the confident church of Jesus Christ, change the world according to Jesus, transform the world by the good news of Jesus, and let it become real and true in our very daily lives. Are your relationships complex and complicated? Is your marriage complicated, your extended family complicated, your workplace, your Sunday school class, your school interactions, your social circle? Practice the art of complication. Thomas More in his book, Soulmates, says marriage is the art of complication. I often remind people at weddings about that. Healthy relationships. Practice the art of rejoicing together in what is good and what is true, what is truly good and goodly truth. Rejoice together, then, in what is good and true in every encounter and relationship because what you focus on expands. If we are keeping a tally of grievances, grief will expand. If we will celebrate expressions of love and respect and bona fide effort and faithfulness and commitment to what is true, wherever and whenever we find them, Love will grow, and love will grow stronger in all the complexities of life. Love shall prevail. Let us pray. Thank you, O God, for your love. It's simple, redeeming, recreating power in our lives. Now help us to be the people practice it and share it. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Um, <clears throat> you might be um, watching today or worshiping on online today and, or here and it's like, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What is this Christian discipleship? If you have any questions about that, about beginning that, about deepening that, We're always available. You can call us, catch us at the back today, uh, email us, and uh, we're glad to answer questions, have conversations. And we always invite you to respond, too. If you want to come during this final hymn, you can come down we can talk, or you can also come to join the church, of course. So would you stand to sing in the small hymnal number 2212? I don't know how can you keep from singing when love is so strong and takes us so far to love the world? Darling Eva, Ava, you, you, you've been a wonder this today. See, listen to every word of that sermon. Yeah. Now may the God of all hope fill you with such joy and peace and believing that hope may abound in you by the power of the holy spirit amen